I'm Michael Foster, and you're listening to It's Good to Be a Man, the podcast where we are extending God's house and father rule by helping men to establish their own houses in strength, workmanship, and wisdom. And that is exactly what we're talking about today, how to establish your own household. One reoccurring theme in all our content is the importance of the biblical doctrine of a household. And why? Why do we talk about it so much? Well, because society has absolutely gutted the household of its natural worth and desirability. And it's because we've stripped the home of its natural function, and and consequently it's not very appealing. It's no longer a place of fruitful production, not even in the slightest. And I was reading an article by Chris Wiley, or C.R. Wiley, and he put it well. He said, as far as I can tell, they're meant to be recreation centers and status symbols. They're places we retreat to when the workday is done. And their scale and their amenities are used to signal to our neighbors the value the market economy places on our work. And that is not the dynamic household you find described in Proverbs or the rest of the scripture. It's some reduced monstrosity, right? So today, I'm going to briefly discuss how this happened. How did the household get gutted? And a few steps we can take to move our homes towards being a biblical, productive household. So before the Industrial Revolution, like all history, every culture, the home was inseparable from the household. And that's actually why the the Hebrew word Beth means both a physical structure and a familial society. So the physical structure, the building, the you know the property, but also the the life that happens there, the commerce that happens there. The house was synonymous with culture's central and most fundamental unit of production and identity. So the household was where men and women and children worked alongside each other to produce what they needed to live. And as they did that, they came to know who they were and what their place was in the world. The whole family was naturally bound by this work into a basic society in which each member participated for the greater good and in turn found their principal meaning. So that's the creational household as God designed it. And the household as God made it was to be existential, meaning the existence of every member at the deepest level is constituted in their house before all else. So in the basic society of the household, husband and wife and children both worked according to their natural abilities. So the men did the heavier labor uh, occurring mostly outside the home. And women worked closer to the home and cared for the children. And the children, as they moved towards maturity, were involved in uh, the work of the home, both with their father and their mother. But both sexes, they certainly labored much harder than we do today. Uh, because their work and cooperation was essential to their uh, continued production and one-togetherness, so their survival. And we don't feel that today, but trust me, your your survival in the sense of a society, in the sense of relations and spiritual well-being is still tied to the health of your household, even in this modern age full of luxury. Now, 
the Industrial Revolution plowed into this creation, creational model like a steam train. Uh, within a generation or two, it, it separated the production from the home by consolidating it into factories. And so when that happened, whole families actually in the early days of factories would go go work in them. So mom, dad, and children. And it, it, was, it was really natural for what else would you do when the household itself is for production? If the place of production moves, the whole household moves with it. But, you know, it, it takes very little time for mindsets to change. The creational model, which was inseparable from the household, it got separated. The natural place of the household is the house. Um, so when you do move the location of production elsewhere, you in principle separate the household from its useful work, even if it takes a little while for the households themselves to catch up in practice. So by relocating production, the Industrial Revolution broke apart households and thus ensured the casting off of much of the traditional, natural, creational one-togetherness that had previously characterized them. So a family going to work in a factory rapidly evolved into the man going to work and the woman staying home. So you see the home is is evolving and changing, or maybe you can say devolving. And it doesn't it doesn't take a genius to figure out the long-term effects of this division on society. Households became increasingly less productive and increasingly less existentially important. A vicious cycle was set up to such an extent that the mere survival of households today is a testament to how deeply uh, ingrained the pattern is in creation. And we've lost the very idea of an existential household, a basic society in which all the members share a foundational identity and productive pursuit of mutual well-being. We've replaced that with a sentimental household, uh, less a society than a location where blood relatives gather to sleep and have emotional needs met, to watch Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever, and to go to sleep before they go back to, to work or school the next day. Uh, we've swapped a deep shared identity established through production for a shallow shared experience established through consumption. In a modern household, the members all consume, often each other, starting with the marriage itself, which arises from nothing uh, but romantic feelings. Modern households seldom survive a generation uh, because everything they need is actually outside the house. So food comes from the supermarket. Uh, money comes from the workplace. Entertainment comes from the Internet. And also, do, so does social fulfillment. As men and women have left the home, so have children. It's necessary that they be kept in childcare so that mom and dad can both have careers that will maintain the big entertainment center and status symbol they call a home. And now even education, both academic and spiritual, primarily happens outside of the home. 80 to 90% of children are trained academically by government teachers and public schools. And the work of raising up our kids in, in the Lord is divvied out to youth pastors of one sort or another. So the household has been gutted. It's been totally gutted. What do we do? How do we recover it? Well, reformation never takes place overnight. It requires that you deliberately and increasingly implement incremental changes so that they become part of the very fiber of your life. You've got to create habits that create a culture. 
So I'm going to give you three simple suggestions, and they're just starting places. Uh, these are things you can do to start to recover the biblical household. So number one, practice hospitality. Don't go out to a restaurant on Sunday after the service. Instead, prepare a double portion of the food the night before and invite folks over after the church service. Have them over, eat whatever you're going to eat, discuss the sermon, hang out, talk about whatever else God is doing in your life. Make a list of the people that you want to have over or people you need to have over and work through that list. You can do barbecues, game nights, whatever. Just make your house a place of life, a place of where people uh, share food and get to know each other. All that stuff super important to building both the community of your family, the community of the church, and the broader community. When my wife and I lived in Orchard uh, Glen, which is this um, it's a weird little housing development in Bloomington, Indiana, and it's mostly populated with students that are going to Indiana University. So there's lots of kids. And some of these kids are, are kind of rough, and I really didn't want them to influence my kids in a negative way, but I had to let my kids go outside and play. And so we were trying to figure out what to do. How could we keep our kids from getting in trouble? And so what we did, we just made our house the place to be. There's always something cool going on. There's we sometimes lemonade or ice cream. And all the kids would naturally hang around our, our house. We just made our house a place of life. When I was getting discipled uh, early on in my walk with Christ, there was a few homes that we would always go to. We'd have Bible studies there, and we would eat we would eat food, and, and the, that was very formative to me. And I I think it really showed me what a home could be. And, and Emily and I have tried to duplicate that into our life. And I so I think start with hospitality, invite people over, like make it a place uh, where life's happening, where people are being shaped. Second, make your home a center of education. This starts first with just family religion, you know, family discipleship. And we've already done a podcast on that and wrote an article on that, so you can go find that. Uh, you can host Bible studies, but another one that you should work towards, in my view, is that you really have to get your kids out of public schools. At least in America, they've gotten so wicked. And anyone that knows me knows that I am not a hardcore homeschool advocate, per se. Like It's not something I'm always talking about and pushing. But the public schools are so bad that I just don't think you can keep your kids there anymore. And um, if you know, work, get them out. Find a way to get them out. And so homeschooling is another way to make your home super productive. There's always something going on in my house. Uh, and there's always uh, homeschool co-ops being hosted there and things like that. And that makes your home a center of education where we're producing disciples. We're training up kids to be adults, to be productive members of society that love God and, and shape the world for his glory. So find ways to do that. Find ways to make your home a place of discipleship and education. Start a side hustle. This is where everyone goes right away. Everyone, you know, thinks they have to go buy some goats and chickens and kind of do the Wendell Berry thing. But I think a simple side hustle that everyone participates in in your home or, or, or several members of the family participate in 
is really wise. And you can start with like flipping things on eBay or Craigslist or Amazon. There's lots of uh, great podcasts out there on flipping. If you want to go bigger, you can start an actual full-on business out of your home. But I would say just start really small. I mean, with my kids, I had an eBay store and an Amazon FBA store. And when I would go make deals with guys uh, to buy product that I'm going to flip, my kids would come with me. And then afterwards, I would explain to them what, how, how the sort of deal uh, developed and why I said what I said and explain to them margin and explain to them the difference between an asset and liability and really get them thinking about economics and, and what they can do. So those are three ways to work on recovering the biblical household. Practice hospitality, have people over, make your home a center of education, whether it's with your with your own children, uh, with uh, people from your church community, whether it's homeschooling, start something like that. And and look into starting a little side hustle, some little business that you and your children can work together on and uh, it brings some extra money into the home, but also just teaching them about the nature of, of production. Now, I have two other things. Um, all reviews that are left on iTunes or any other podcast network uh, will get a free It's Good to Be a Man magnet. So if you leave one, message me your address on Twitter or by email, and I will mail you out a magnet. I'm not mailing anything out to other countries because it's crazy to, to pay all that money just to get you a little magnet. I'm sorry. Also, we've restructured our Patreon, so you can go to It's Good to Be a Man's Patreon. Uh, check it out. There's a lot of different offerings, different levels. And actually, the idea for this podcast came from a discussion that we had on It's Good to Be a Man's Marco Polo group. It's a it's a video sharing app, and we've got a bunch of men in a, a group, and we have back and forth conversations. And that's made available to our Patreon supporters. So check all that out. And until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Oh.